You're listening to Wisdom of the Ages, the show that taps into the many expressions of universal, ancestral and personal wisdom to ignite evolutionary consciousness. Welcome and blessings. This is Anne Kate Sullivan, host of Wisdom of the Ages. I have a treat for you today. This is my third episode with Joanna Garzili. She's been a, a friend and colleague uh, for many years now, a few decades now. So in the past, we've spoken about her HarperCollins bestseller, Big Miracles, which I highly recommend. And we've also delved into the pluses and minuses of digital currencies. And today we're going to speak about the financial freedom mindset. Now, I think this is really important in the world in which we find ourselves, because if we're frightened of money or we don't understand money, we can become slaves to the system and we're all about freedom. So, so this is going to be fun, I think. So I want you to check out Joanna Garzili. You can find out all the things that she's up to on joannagarzili.com. And I just want to mention before I take an ad break that, that, you know, finance, finance is a really important topic and it can be fun. The, the nature of money is changing. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of shifts and changing changes in the global markets. And so how can we navigate this? Well, if we develop a healthy financial literacy, we might have a chance here. So I, I suspect we're moving from the old banking model into a, a new model. I don't know what the new pattern is, but we might delve into that. And so, okay, this is going to be fun. I'm going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, I will introduce Joanna Garzili. And we will explore how artificial intelligence and globalization are playing a role in these changing times. So be curious. And let's go into, a, I mean, when I was growing up, this was a taboo subject. So let's, let's explore and wake up together. Okay, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. Are you ready to master your life? Are you looking for more calm and peace, connectedness in your relationships, more clear communication, guided thoughts, and a confidence in your ability to come up with creative solutions no matter what happens? Then join us at our next experience. Go to superpowerexperts.com and get signed up today. Welcome back to Wisdom of the Ages. This is your host, Anne Kate Sullivan. And today, Joanna Garzili and I are discussing the financial freedom mindset. Welcome, Joanna. And I am super excited and eager to get into this topic with you because I feel there's so many layers to it. And I know we've had a conversation ourselves together. So now we just get to go deeper with it. I love it. I love it. Well, before we dive in, what are you up to these days? I mean, the last time I talked to you, you were, were an author and then you got more into finance and what's happening? I am still an author and I still am in the realm of, of digital finance as well. And I expanded more into, I'd say more grounded in finance that uh, I work for a trust company called Directed IRA, where I head up all their communications and PR and, and get to be around tax attorneys. And then also one of the founders of that company, the other founder, I do all their communications. And so I get like a really good picture of 
what investors are doing, what small business owners are doing across the country. And, and I get to have conversations with them directly and have quite a network. And so I feel fortunate to be on the leading edge of that. And, and then just to be able to take that practical, how are people thinking from the sort of the economics, macroeconomics side of things, retirement planning, but look at it from a spiritual context. That's that's always been the nature of our connection, right? Of bringing it back to a spiritual standpoint. Yeah, I I think that's true. I I would say that one of the stumbling blocks that I had growing up in the in the South was uh, in, in a very uh, sort of Christian world was this idea that money is the root of all evil. And I I, I went and did quite a lot of um, financial coaching to work through that particular concept because you know I I would say today I, I would that maybe it's the lack of money <laughs> that is uh you know can take us to a difficult place or not understanding you know ignorance around money or even um you know and I think there are uh, situations in which m- money is hoarded and poverty is created so I I'm really looking forward to diving into this. I was with my grandmother on her deathbed. He thought she was going to go to hell because she loved money. And it was one of these, I think right at that moment, I'm like, I have to, I really have to become financially literate. I I love God with all my mind, heart, and soul. And I think God always comes first. But I believe that true nature is is abundant and having an abundant life is a great gift. And so I want those that I love, my family members, my friends, those people in my life to be abundant also. What do you have to say to that? Well, a couple of things. I love what you shared there. One is that that idea of money is the root of all evil. I think we need to go back to the history of money and actually, Mike Maloney, who I think we've spoken about before, is a great resource on that. Where he talked, he did a ten-part series of how money started, and and essentially, I mean, if we go back thousands of years ago to trading for items, it, it really is just—it's a form of exchange, and it's a store of value, and and so being able to educate oneself on what money actually is, and then how, where we are today, fast forward thousands of years, how that store of value is being debased, is being devalued. We were having that conversation the other day about where, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember which bank it was that had all their, um, one of the big banks with their nickel, and that when they went to go and check, the, the nickel was just replaced with stones. But back in that back in that time period, thousands of years ago, normally when countries would go to war and they needed money from the people to fund those wars, suddenly that gold was maybe, you know, it was made into smaller values or the gold wasn't as high a quality or it was mixed with other precious metals that didn't hold that same level of value. So that that's one thing. And, and then if that money isn't backed by anything, it's not pegged, let's say, for example, our global reserve currency is the dollar. 
if that isn't uh, backed dollar for dollar, it just doesn't have something tangible, this is where it loses its value as well. And that's something that maybe we'll talk a bit more about that afterwards. But that is something that is fueling inflation right now. And, and also a conversation actually I had with my father the other day. And I said, oh my gosh, look, we're heading towards maybe hyperinflation. He said, well, if you look at the actual prices of certain commodities, there is price gorging or price price gouging, however you want to say it, American English accent, <laughs> happening. there's price gorging, gouging happening. And so it's not as simple as that. So I think it, ultimately it comes down to us as a people. What are we going to do? How are we going to navigate, which is, you know, our financial systems that we have and that are controlled? And one could argue in some cases that are manipulated as well. No, I think this is true. So to break that down a little bit, I think when when I realized during my coaching years that money is energy and it can actually be assigned uh, any kind of pattern. So if I uh, receive money from someone, I can assign it the the energy of love and I might want to be generous with it and give it to a homeless shelter, or I might need to pay my mortgage with it or, but I get to assign the, the, the money that I'm receiving. I get to assign the energy to it. So I can assign money, the energy of love that I think that was what broke my finance spell. And I was like, Oh, I actually kind of like this. <laughs> what one thing that's concerning me these days is of course I get I think it was Richard Nixon that took us off the gold standard. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, in 1971. Mm-hmm. So up until then, the the dollar actually meant something. And now we have what I believe is called a, a fiat currency. You want to correct. Say that? Yeah. Mm. And it's we're coming to the whether the dollar has been the global reserve currency, I guess it was like also known as the petrodollar, right? Where say you've got different countries going and buying oil. Normally it would be in the US dollar, but very recently the dollar is not being used for that. I think I'm trying to remember specifically, so I might not be 100% correct here, but Saudi, you know, Russia and China and Saudi Arabia all agreed that uh, they, that that would you know they could do the ruble or and and I think uh, also gold as well instead of the US dollar so it looks like we are coming to the end of the petrodollar system we're right at the very end of that yes and the the chinese do you pronounce it uh un yes yes yeah so so things are changing for sure and if I am correct, the ruble is backed by gold, and so is it. The, yes, right. Okay, so Chinese one is also backed by gold, and now we have a fiat currency that's not backed by anything. <laughs> yeah, with increasing debt. I mean, what thirty something trillion in debt now? So that is concerning. It is. I think, you know, I think one of the things, like as we we are connecting and we're putting our focus on this idea of the mindset for financial freedom, bringing it back to that, I would say for myself, when I'm looking at geopolitical um, 
situations or macroeconomics, I want to blame someone, my unevolved ego, this country, this government, uh, whatever it is, uh, I wouldn't be in this situation. Eggs wouldn't cost this. There wouldn't be this wealth transfer. And the higher part of myself comes back to, Joanna, what do you have control over? How can you really do things in an exemplary way, in a positive way, if you weren't blaming anyone? And and I and so I always have to bring myself back to that because I do feel like what you're saying, the, the energy of money, it starts with oneself first. Mm-hmm. And then I for myself, I found it's led me to be around very positive people who are much, much smarter than me, very astute investors, very positive as well, even though we've just had these bank runs that have occurred that there is a lot of fear, that there is talk of a great depression. Social media fuels panic. People fuel the panic. And it's like throwing more flames on the fire. So I feel it's really important from a spiritual context to come back to one center, to find whatever that direct relationship with spirit, God, your higher self, however you want to think about it. And that that energy of money that is the medium, that is the store of value, just knowing that things will things can work out for one, even if one's in debt. You know, we've had that conversation, I think, before in the past. I remember a period of time when I was in debt and it was horrible. And now that I'm at a point where in my journey where I grew to a point where I do invest in things, I have the ability to invest. And, and be a part of projects or involved in things that really resonate, that I feel are making a positive impact. Right, right, right. I mean, I believe that financial sobriety, we can even call it, is part of maturing and growing up. And uh, we all go through phases. I'm, I'm working with my 32-year-old daughter right now, <laughs> helping her stand on her own two feet in the middle of a, a chaotic world. And I feel that if we're solid in ourselves, if we have our uh, a spiritual attunement in place, if we have our guidance, I know you're very uh, intuitive. And if our intuition is in place, we're calm, we're collected, we can take all of these things as an opportunity. And so I feel that as things are changing on, on in a major way, that we have an opportunity to restructure finance. And, uh, you know, and because it's also been used as a slavery model, how can we use finance as a freedom model? That, yeah, that's like, there's multiple parts to that. Let me just try and start at a, maybe at a more simple level. I think it. People always talk about what's well, time versus money. And I, I mean, I know from working within the retirement industry and seeing, say, people, maybe they, they've worked, like in the past, the baby boomers have worked in a job for 20 years or they went from job to job and they had their 401k. And that their, their broker 
just said, well, pick whatever fund with Vanguard or Schwab, whoever it is. And, and then, and then that's it. You know, your broker's just helping you make that decision. There aren't many choices there. And then when we had all the volatility and the Fed putting the rates up consistently, which has had to happen, that people's retirement accounts just some of them got absolutely wiped out, but most people have experienced a twenty-five to thirty percent drop in their portfolios, mm-hmm. and it could be by the end of twenty twenty-three. We don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, so to speak, even though I'm very intuitive, but. There could be a drop all the way where people could lose another 20, 30% or, or, or more. But with that being said, I think it's very important to, and one of the things I've learned from the CEO of, of the company that I work at is to take from a, a one standpoint is to take control of one's retirement. So I see a lot of people who maybe they have gone and then diversified and and we talked about this the other day, yeah. was invested into hard assets, investing into what they know where they're not subject to the volatility of manipulation from whether it's Wall Street or the European Central Bank or algorithmic trading that are coming from these absolutely massive hedge funds where you can't trade against them. It's like going against the um the house in a casino in Vegas. So I think by uh, and it's different for each person, but I've seen a lot of people that are very smart. They are dive, you know, they're not necessarily going, okay, I'm going to entirely get out of the stock market. Because I think, you know, if you look historically, it 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 will come back over a period of time. It's just we printed too much money. And and so going into hard assets. If we go back to the crash of 2008, a lot of those homes, I remember going to Fort Lauderdale and along the waterways there, seeing every other house with a for sale sign. And when you what you look at the value of that real estate is now, it's so much more. And even though everyone's talking about, well, we have a crash in real estate, it still maintains its value. And if you look at the longer term, so I feel sometimes the narrative that goes out from the media doesn't show everything. Because when I've talked to the people I know in real estate and commercial real estate who are very experienced, they're looking at the longer term appreciation, even if they're experiencing negative cash flow, say on a on a on a rental income. But again, each person's situation is different. But ultimately, I think it's like just finding, okay. What, how, like, what is going to be best for me? And that's going to be different for each person, but not to panic. That's the key thing, just not to panic. Right. I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is that, you know, as I find, I think this is part of the spiritual awakening, as I find, as I learn to trust my own guidance, I find that, that I naturally attract people who who are who are conscious who are doing wonderful things on the planet who are um, living in ways that I'm really aligned with I I really like being aligned with people who are say in the farmers market you know these are people who who are growing organic veggies and so forth we know our food sources I I have a lot of friends who are really into gold and silver and they and they believe in having 
something like that in your pocket because it's a real asset. And then having something like a home, even if the value drops, you still have a roof over your head. Or if you have more than one home, you have one you can rent out. And and I believe, you know, as as we awaken, I'm still part of this. I believe we are involved in a spiritual awakening. It it seems a little dark right now, but I sometimes we need this squeeze to really polish our pearl, to really force ourselves into looking at the world and saying, well, my goodness, the the way the finance has been working, it looks like a few of the people have have maybe too much and and a lot of people have too too little. Now this is one way to see it. I'm not sure that I truly believe that. I believe that actually God is completely abundant and that when we're aligned with that energy of the divine, we tend to align with the energy of abundance. So there's you know part of it is like learning that you're not an ego, that you don't have to f- function out of the pattern of the ego. That, that actually you have a higher self, you can function from that place. So I've heard recently a lot of talk about um, the economy of light or kind of the new economy. Have you heard anything about this? I haven't heard that specific term, but I do feel that it starts with spiritual alignment and from there, it's really about bringing it into all areas of one's life from health to relationships to your finances just to to, to everything and and something that i know for many years there was a period well if i go way back when i i suppose really had my initial deeper spiritual awakening sort of like how you said money there was the thought of money as the root of all evil and your grandmother thought she was going to go to hell. For me, I think I've thought you can't be spiritual and have money. Mm. So that then because of that belief that I had, I then lost everything. I plummeted into debt Mm -hmm. and it took me a a long time to learn that lesson. And then when I, was very successful as an author and as a coach and made very, very, very good money that then I ended up having people around me that looked at me and thought, oh, well, you know, she's fine. She's got money. And they were resentful of me. They wanted more from me. They felt entitled. And then I ended up being swindled out of money. And what I would say now looking back on that, being able to see, really look at a, a, at the past, that at that point then, I think there were parts of me that were probably more more showy, a little bit more sort of flashy, even though I was being spiritual. And <laughs> so that wasn't a, that that was a, that was a shadow that was there. And then also practicality of not really taking business seriously enough, not taking responsibility because how did I get swindled? Well, I didn't do my due diligence on going into certain business deals. So I think that, yeah, sort of the finance and the flow of money is one part of it, but it's also very much looking at the actions and then looking at besides who does one need to be? What 
like what skill set, what things do you need to know and to do not only to make money because my understanding, and I, I think you have a very good understanding of this too, is once you have your, your uh, you generate wealth, and a lot of people I know, they're focused on creating generational wealth, then you have to protect that wealth. And that's absolutely critical. And that's something that I see keeps people up at night. So there's people that are like, when I just make a million dollars, when I'm this, then there's people, well, how do I maintain? Yeah, how do I maintain everything? And and something I want to share with you afterwards about, because we talked before, I think when I was last on your show about the cryptocurrency, I do want to share an update with you on that to just alert your community to some things so they really do their due diligence and be careful. Okay. So I, I think we should do that. And I just want to point out that I, I do believe that there's a, a poverty mindset and an abundance mindset. And, uh, and I was raised, (laughs) unfortunately, I think I was raised with the poverty mindset and that was part of what I had to, to work through. Like it, it, yes, you can actually living in India, it was really quite helpful. Uh, uh, the, in India, the, the gurus are completely happy with having lots of gold. And, uh, so I've embraced Lakshmi. Uh, and under understanding that uh, you know God and the spirituality and money they're all intertwined. So the more abundant you are, this this is actually can be a very good thing. You know, I notice with the the poverty mindset too. If somebody gives you money, I think this is what happens with intergenerational wealth too. If somebody gives you money and you haven't made it yourself, it's very easy for you to lose it because you you haven't understood the abundance mindset. And so part of Part of this um, maintaining your wealth is is developing a a mind a creative mindset and understanding. I know for me too, when I shifted from working for other people to owning my own businesses and running my own businesses, which is a little bit stressful, but it's also very creative and fun. You pivot, you lose, you make mistakes, but in those these. And I made some terrible mistakes, but in making these mistakes, I've learned a lot and I don't repeat those mistakes. So what do you want to say about creating an abundance mindset? Yeah, what you say about the pain from the mistakes, when it's painful enough, one definitely doesn't repeat that that action or that series of actions. I, I understand that 100%. And for some people, it's sort of, well, how much pain do they have to go through to really, how burned do they have to get to not do that thing again? I think it takes daily practice. I think it's important. Again, it goes back to surrounding oneself with people that have a positive outlook, that want to be of service, that I, I feel like the opportunity of, whatever that value system is for someone that they are doing good in the world or for others. And then whether they want that, that gain in, in finances and negotiating for that or in some other form, then, then that is possible. Then you, one can live that life a hundred percent, but it really comes down to one's core values. I think so. And so there's a lot to be said for, you know, instead of wanting to take money from others or being 
angry because other people have money. There's a shift that happens when you go, wait a second, I'm a creator being. I can create from where I am now, which when I lost my house in a fire in California, that was where, where I had to shift. Like, oh, well, I'm now going to create a new way of living and being. I'm going to create a new home for myself. And so so I can I can say from personal experience, when your house burns up, you can create another one. So how would you say that you did that? Oh, gosh. I... um. One of the things that I did, and this was just a spiritual practice because I felt so annihilated by, by what happened, that I went to Arizona and, um, and did a fire walk with a, with, a, <laughs> with a spiritual teacher there because I wanted to make friends with fire. Like I'm mm-hmm. making friends with the fact that, I, that this fire in some way freed me of um, structures and patterns that were no longer serving me. And it's giving me an opportunity to create again. So, so while it was incredibly painful and frustrating, um, I did at that point really turn my mind towards business and take, (laughs) take it much more seriously. I, I realized I wanted to live a much more balanced life. I wanted, um, I've always had this this dance between the the wild free free spirited bohemian and the sort of status quo um you know real estate <laughs> real estate investors so it's always been this kind of uh, a swing between the two but what what's happening I feel is that those two sides of me are forming a I'm going to call it a freedom vehicle I don't know how else to term it I feel it as a diamond in my heart and my soul that wants to live on this earth in a way that is abundant yet balanced with true. I want to be a, I believe I am and, and would like to be even more so and uh, a value to my community. I, I would like to help other people with things like financial freedom and, and helping other people keep a roof over their head and so forth. I think this, when we can master our survival drives, then we have time for our social drives and we have time for the arts. We have time for spiritual growth and development and all of these things are important. But if the survival drives aren't sorted out, everything else falls away. And so getting that financial foundation down, understanding the language, you can always just go to a library and start pulling books out or you know, find uh, magazines to start reading them and work through whatever fear there is. Because money is, it's an energy and it's a language. And it's its sort of like learning a foreign language, but it, all of a sudden it starts to click in, just like you're learning French. You know, oh, oh, I understand. I can read it. I can read my tax return. You know, I can, I can read this financial document. I can read what's happening in the stock market. Now you're becoming, you're not a slave to the system. One one way that we, we you know what we're enslaved if we don't understand the language. I would I would say that. You want to comment on that one? Yeah, I mean I think you're making brilliant points there about the education, mm. the educational standpoint of things, and that the 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 language of money or finance it has these different components to it. And so I know for myself in the if we go back to sort of like the idea of the spiritual communities, I remember years ago when I was doing all that 
speaking coaching circuit. And I would come across maybe certain coaches that were branded as, you know, whatever, the the money coach, this, the financial freedom coach, that, whatever you want to call that. Gosh, I sound so, I I don't mean to sound cynical, but (laughs) I probably have, is that, oh, if you just this, you just say this affirmation. There's no point saying affirmation a hundred times. I I am abundant or like whatever the, you know, like we are referencing Lakshmi. Yes, but you have to really embody that energy mm-hmm. or that vibration of it. But with that idea of I am abundant, I am successful, I am making a million dollars a year, I am financially free, whatever that thing is, which I ended up seeing a number of those people get sued in the end and taking advantage of people financially is that I I really do feel it goes back to the practical tools. Like you were saying, being able to read a tax return work for me, working for CPAs and tax attorneys Mm -hmm. and being around that and being around investors and people who specialize in real estate and in venture capital, I have learned so much. And when I don't understand uh, a particular term, I'll just ask someone or mm-hmm. look it up. I'm trying to remember the one I just, when I saw like NNN, I'm like, what's that? Oh, triple net, you know, in commercial real estate or NOI, what was it? Net, net operating income. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I mean, for someone else, they're like, oh, I know that, but most people don't. And it, it just sort of, I think also part of the mindset I can say that works for me, at first I was really, really overwhelmed when I started to learn more and more about different parts of finance, understanding the rules, the laws that are there, is that just to be okay with being a beginner. Like I was doing a, a training earlier on IRA uh, contributions and tax deadlines. Yeah, and then and then I just learned like about what it is for the military because for the military when they get deployed versus say um, when they come back how that how that timeline works and what those forms are. So I know it seems so. I never would have thought. Oh gosh, it's form five four nine eight for this and that, but. It's. I feel it's. It's. I used to think. Oh well, this is so boring. I actually, it's sort of like a meditation for me now. It's quite grounding. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. It's true. And you know, you said something that's important too about the laws of finance. I mean, just as there are spiritual laws, and we, you know, it's good for us to kind of be reminded of the virtues. And if we do virtuous finance, we're probably going to be better off in the end. So to learn you know, the spiritual laws of life. Those are also the um, abundance laws of life. They're, they're commingled. And of course, there's the opposite of that. Yes, you can twist those energies through greed, yes. hoarding, and so forth. But that's not going to help the, the global community. So, um, And, and yes. with that, what you're saying with those laws, sometimes a, like a question it raises for me is then, you know, for Congress, Whoever, with not just with say the US government, but other governments around the world that do get to pass certain laws, put forward certain bills, sometimes sort of like how in France, right? The uh, Macron pushed through that bill by, you know, support like going past an, an official vote 
to change that age for collecting retirement, right? Didn't it go back and correct from like 62 to 64? You know, these things of, well, what's the lesson for us on a bigger scale there? How does one, yes, there's rules and laws, but what about when there are unfair things that are happening? And how does one reconcile that spiritually or when it is unfair? Because a lot of the time life is unfair. And again, when I tell you my crypto story about what is unfair, how unfair it is, that, yeah. you know, what is that? Then what we have to, I think, come back to a spiritual standpoint, because otherwise we will be consumed and suffer from those injustices that occur. I mean, I do see them as injustices, uh, unfortunately. There's a lot of. There's injustice in the thing. world. Yeah, certainly there's injustice in the world, and there's greed, and there's you know, a, a, a necessary poverty in the world. Um, so I think we, one of the things about becoming financially free is also becoming uh, really wide awake and understanding what's going on. And yes, knowing that there's a rebellion going on in France because the people don't like what's happening. Um, so why don't you tell us this, this cryptocurrency story? Because I mean, I don't know how much you want to share, but it is interesting because I mean, also, I have a feeling we're going, we're heading towards, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but we seem to be heading towards some kind of global digital market. Yeah. And I do not know, well, none of us know exactly how it's going to play out because we're in the middle of it. But when I came on your show before, at that point, I was doing a lot of trades. I think in the end, it was in 2021. I did 960 trades. I had success, uh, profit in the crypto markets. Then I I didn't take I didn't get my money out at the top. You never know when the top is when it comes to trading, but I was profitable. Then put that into buying the home that we live in now, and that was awesome. And uh, and then I had I think I after that happened as well. I decided to get out because I felt like it was the trading for me was getting too addict, like it was getting addictive. And so then uh, the Washington Post did a whole story on crypto addiction. And, but I think if one has enough awareness, you know, I, I had my own awareness there. And, and so there was a positive from that. Fast forward to 2022, beginning of 2022, one of my family members said, hey, you know, I can't, you know, my uh, brokerage doesn't do this. Go, here's some money to go and put it within the in you know within crypto. Do what you want to do with it. And so I put some of my own money back in there enough that we could afford to lose. And then also for this family member, which was a sizable amount of money, uh, but enough that they can afford to lose. And so I just bought up certain stuff. I thought, okay, I'm going to buy and hold. Now, if I'd waited at the time, probably two weeks, because I felt like, okay, well, I know the markets are going to crash, but I'll just wait. Well, then the portfolio went down dramatically because there's just so much, there's so much volatility. That was when then Terra Luna collapsed, where who would think an entire ecosystem where, um, Money was being lent. It was like each asset, you know, when we talked before about the whole point is you back like dollar for dollar or you back, say, whatever that dollar or that ruble or that Chinese yen 
with gold, like with something tangible. But with Terra Luna ecosystem, it wasn't backed by anything. So $90 billion literally evaporated overnight. And so I I lost some money in that, but not a huge amount. I know people committed suicide because they put everything into that. And then we had Sam Bankman-Fried with FTX. You watch, if anyone in America watches sports and you look at FTX Arena, whatever, in, in Miami, right, for the Miami Heat, or the Staples Center was uh, changed to Crypto.com Arena. And yet, you know, these organizations have been used for extensive money laundering and the corruption is still rife that is out there. US dollar tether, which has about close to 80 billion printed, isn't backed by anything. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more bloodshed. But if I bring it back to my personal situation, right around the holidays, Christmas of 2022, uh, my account, my I have like I was doing no trading. Like I, I was like, I'm gonna buy and hold for five years. My account got hacked by Coinbase. You know, there's like these main exchanges. And Coinbase is considered the most trusted, like their tagline is the most trusted exchange. And yeah, my account was hacked. And so I like I just I lost everything. Everything from it. That's with two-factor authentication. People talk about, oh, well, you've got to be decentralized and protect your money. Actually, someone from my office who was on MetaMask and was decentralized, they had their wallet hacked. My attorney that I have who represented for the Varsity Blues case, I don't know if you remember, but like all the college scandal where they were celebrities were paying for their kids to get into these Ivy League colleges. You know, the amount that I had stolen compared to certain other people who had their life savings stolen. Um, I mean, they've already won like class action lawsuits against Coinbase. But with this, this is a new type of hack um, that is happening. And that is actually, I mean, some things that are quite scary with it, where, I mean, he thinks, and I think as well, that this is an inside job happening from Coinbase because they have to be able to see how these data breach, like there has to be some type of data breach that is occurring. But so I have a case, we'll see how it unfolds. I re- filed a report with the FBI. I filed a report with the Arizona Attorney General, Chris Mays, filed a report with Scottsdale Police. I can see, because I'm certified in blockchain, I can see or how my money was stolen, how it left the Coinbase exchange, I could see it was filtered into two separate accounts. And then one of those accounts was siphoned off into 22 separate wallets. Some of them have gone to like Cash App in the UK, some to Dual Bits, gambling site, some it's just sitting there. And, uh, and you know, I've told the police and they're like, there's nothing we can do right now. So one thing I want to just say about privacy, you know, people talk about and this is different from Bitcoin as a digital gold, but with all the other cryptos, the idea of, oh, it's private, it's secure. I disagree with that. I used to think that, but having gone through what I've gone through and learned, um, it's like a two-tiered system. For for us, it may seem sort of uh, private, but um, for example, there's a software called Chainalysis 
that can you can go and you can find the identity, say, of that particular hacker. That that say the FBI um, law enforcement has access to go and look at, track down, and see from a wallet because you can't go and set up a wallet without having KYC know your customer. Mm-hmm. But I can't do anything about that. So that's one thing I don't like that I don't like that I see. And the email that Coinbase wrote back to the attorney general was, oh, she must have given her password. Like, why would I go and give my password and say steal tens and tens of thousands of dollars from my account? Right. So I I just that is an unfolding case. Um now when people say, oh my gosh, what if the US dollar collapses? And let me go and get into, let's say, Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin's price went up. I would just encourage people to think, okay, well, even if you say private keys, my keys, like it's mine. But at some point, if you wanted to liquidate that, you're going to have to get in an exchange. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to connect that to a bank account. So I don't entirely know what the solution is with that. But what you said about CBDCs, central banking digital currencies, Mm-hmm. They've already rolled that program out. That was planned back in 2021. There's a white paper on it from the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. and uh, where they were planning to do this. And um, so, you know, a lot of what's happening with these hacks now, I don't know, but we know what I do know is there is some serious regulation that is coming that is probably going to sort of like back in the last crash from end of 2017-18 when they had crypto winter there will be like another round of more casualties, mm-hmm. I imagine. And this is why in our conversation, no investment advice to anyone. Everyone has to do their own due diligence. But this is where I lean towards hard assets, mm-hmm. going into things that you have control over that cannot easily be stolen from you and that can be insured so that there are multiple steps in the process to protect your hard-earned money. And it makes me think of my grandparents, you know, like what did they, what did after coming, you know, coming out of the depression, what did they have? What was the value in their home, land, food, coins, silver, gold? (laughs) These are the things that had value. And I I believe they still, they still do. And we're probably going to have to adjust to, I I guess the, the new currency is called BRICS. Is that correct? Oh, you mean off of like the BRICS sort of uh, uh, countries? The new, um, this new global, anyway, I've heard, I've heard that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know how, I I don't know how it's going to unfold exactly. But mm-hmm. again, everything that's happened with the, um, you know, SVB collapsing, well, a lot of that is because just they went into right into the bonds and then with the inflation rates going up again they weren't backed properly but we're seeing right now what it looks like to me mm-hmm. uh, is uh centralization more centralization of banking and you know it's unfortunate because the way things are going then people get frightened and then they leave their regional right. bank the family owned bank but there are a number of really good banks out there that are private that are family owned that have high levels insurance. We were talking about you and I about the FDIC insurance the other day. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but then if everyone went to pull their money out of all the banks, I mean, then seriously, we wouldn't even care about money. We'd just be like in survival mode and how does one eat? 
Right, we would be back into the barter system. And I also heard that there's some really good credit unions too. Yes. So support local and and keep your your money safe. And but that but yeah, absolutely. But yeah, with the, the the critical thing, if someone, you know, depending on who one is banking with, it's like, mm. oh my gosh, there was this bank run, that bank run, and what do I do? It's you're insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per social security number. Mm-hmm. So if someone and their spouse has an account together, they're insured up to two hundred fifty thousand. But for peace of mind, again, everyone's risk tolerance is different. One can look at, okay, well, maybe I'm going to be in this bigger bank here and I'll go with this local bank over there. I think another thing one can do when doing due diligence in banks is to look at, besides the number of accounts and the liabilities on their balance sheet, what type of investors do they have? For example, if a certain bank that that money that's in there is heavily invested in hard assets, then you know it's going to be pretty safe versus, say, with Silicon Valley Bank that was very much in high tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – that's um, and I guess uh, where can people check out their bank? Is there a good uh, link? FDIC – yeah, FDIC.org. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. FDIC.org or FDIC.com. Okay. So probably every bit. It's a good, good. I went and looked at my banks when I was hearing about FDIC.gov. Right, right. And yeah, I went to look to see how my banks were doing too. And, uh, and, you know, again, I think what's really important is not to go into fear, because if you go into fear, you get, you go into cra- uh, contraction, then you're in poverty mindset. That's not going to help. The thing to do is to be aware, know that these things are going on. They're seems to be a large transference of wealth. Be, massive. Be, right? Massive. Yeah. <laughs> so to be aware of it and go, okay, well, how do I navigate this? And how do I, th- I, I think we can even thrive in this. I agree. You know, even during the depression, people made money. So um, how do you navigate it? And I think that's by asking really good questions, staying very, very aware, being with good groups of people and, and having that abundant mindset and knowing that, well, gosh, I just lost my house. I guess I'll have to build a new one. I mean, these things do happen. Of course, it's better if we uh, have some some tangible assets that we can rely on. It's easier to, to build back when we when we have something to build back with. Um, so, so yeah, again, nobody's giving financial advice here. I don't want anybody to be concerned, but I do want people to be aware and awake to, you know, check out what your situation is. Like Joanna said, everybody's got a different uh, setup. You know, some people have big families, some people are on their own, some people have certain um, skill sets. Also, what are your skill sets? What can you uh, what can you bring to your community that's really of of great value and and benefit? Because you know a lot of friends that I have they can they can create abundance out of air just because they're they're gifted in that way. You know, you you might be one of them, Joanna. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if, you know, if someone is in debt, um, I I think it's just just knowing that one can get out of that hole just by I think by really by focusing on well what do I need to do each day staying on top of looking at what one's spending what one's saving just a little bit at a time if one has 
say, uh, unsecured debt, I would say definitely pay off those credit cards as quick as possible without having to incur more debt. Like just do what one can. That's where I like uh, Dave Ramsey's The Snowball Effect. I, I still, I feel like that's really, really good. But again, you know, everyone has to do that, see what's right for them. If one doesn't that's, have the, that's an important point. I think a very important point to um, an abundance mindset is don't go into debt. I mean, or if, if you're in debt, climb out of it. And there's Debtors Anonymous and there are other groups you can join. But if if all of us who are interested in financial freedom mindset is if you if you have a credit card, pay it off every month. And if you can't pay it off, don't have a credit card, you know? Absolutely. And if one has a car loan or uh, a mortgage to pay that, it's better to maybe do a, more of a payment towards that than putting money in a in a CD. Mm-hmm. I, I know some people, I know certain investors, they're just very, very, very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And they will, they actually use debt or say seller financing to go and create cash flow on properties. To me, that's just more advanced. I think it's good then to find those people out there that you resonate with and go, oh, I can see that person say, set up a syndicate or did a fund or is doing something in the equity growth space, whatever it is, or you just like what they're doing, watch them for a period of time, learn, ask a lot of questions. Definitely don't jump into anything. If anyone ever pressures one, You've got to get into this deal now. This is the only chance with this fund, with this syndicate, with this thing. Then just say, thanks so much. Um, I'll just miss the opportunity and wait for something else. I mean, I think <laughs> I'll speak for myself here, but having been involved in the new age world for a long time, which I think I might have climbed out of, but they <laughs> There were so many quick get rich quick schemes that failed horribly, miserably. And so um, luckily I was usually on the sidelines watching that happen. But I would say if anybody says, uh, give me $10,000 and I'll make you rich, run for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can become financially literate in your own library. And by listening to YouTube, by joining groups, like you do not have to yeah join I, I, you I don't know if you want to add to that or not but. yeah I mean exactly what I see from the people for example when we did uh, we did a, a summit at the end of last year called the self-directed IRA summit yeah. and uh, two of the founders from that they shared their journey of how they built their retirement accounts their IRAs to 20 million started off with notes like just doing you know notes is like where you maybe some people do like a uh, hard money lending and just for a few thousand dollars you know initially I mean everyone starts somewhere mm-hmm. and I think it's like you go from you learn with each deal but for example you know I'm like God, well, I don't I didn't save over the years to put into a 401k I can't just roll over a few hundred thousand to go into some bigger real estate deal but I know okay well I I could do something on a smaller level, I can then partner with other people who I've built a relationship that I know, like, and trust, and just be okay with where I'm at, because it's a journey. It just, you know, so it's never good to compare oneself to someone else's situation. 
And but it's also never too late to start, I think, to be able to create financial health that then leads to financial wealth. Exactly. And asking good questions, you know, being open-minded, asking questions and feeling, trusting your intuition. I think maybe the most important part here is trust your intuition. If you're working, <laughs> working out some kind of financial deal and you're feeling uh, my body will twist. If something, if something wow. feels off my, I will start, <laughs> it will actually start to twist. And that's my, my guidance. Mm, no. And yes. if, if something's really feeling correct, my body will lean into it. So I've learned to trust my, my felt sense when I'm um, uh, thinking about either paying off the debt or making, you know, even buying a car or something, you know, or, or which, even which school my children might want to go to. Have you had anything like that? Oh, so much so. Someone reached out to me the other day, actually, via LinkedIn. And they said, oh, I love your book. And my uncle's read your book. And and I had some good conversation. And they look sort of legit. And it says they're an investor. And they've done all these things and stuff online. But then they wanted to talk to me on WhatsApp. And I said, but something just feels weird. Like, they're asking me a lot of questions. Mm. And, you know, I always try and keep an open mind, okay, because I meet people all the time and I've met some incredible people on LinkedIn. But something like what you're seeing, that twisting feeling. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, how are you? How was your weekend? Or I said, yeah, good. Uh, okay, what what about you? Oh, yeah, I'm looking at buying a yacht. Okay. Oh, I love it. I was like, but I don't know who they are. I've never actually talked to them. So it, like, it's difficult sometimes, but that fe- I had this weird feeling. Like, mm-hmm. It's just weird. I'm like, okay, well, who are you? Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to sh- shut someone off or out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're staying open-minded and curious, but you're still checking in. You're something's feeling off. I have a weird, it's like a really right? tight feeling. It's like a, where I, I feel like, oof, I just want to, because I've been doing more, I thought I told you I'm doing Muay Thai now. I sort of feel like, yeah, I'd sort of like to do like a a jab, a cross, and a kick. And <laughs> I might need to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There. Well, you know, and there are thieves in this world, and there are people who want to, as you, as we have both found out, want and to that, steal your assets, right? And that's <laughs> it. So that's a certain other thing. You know, I don't know about you, but years ago, and 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 I wonder, sort of, because I had like Crypto Angel Network, we're doing that people would warn me, be really careful what you show of anything from even just sharing online, you're, you're, oh, you're doing this in your portfolio and that, you know, I hadn't done a video for a a long time on that, but somehow maybe from that I was targeted. So I, that's another thing that I see with a number of investors that I know. They mm-hmm. like the people that I was talking about from who have those big IRAs, they're so low key, but okay. also they're not flashy either. Like they don't go and stay in the most expensive hotel or anything. I mean, they're really, really low key. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting mm-hmm. too. Whereas some of the people that maybe they're not so wealthy, but that it's all show, show, show. Mm-hmm. Well, because they're out of balance. It does seem to to me. It seems that if you if you really want to have a good life, I mean, and this is this is financial freedom mindset. But to have a good life, you need enough money. You need enough money to do all the things you need to do. You might not need more than that. You know, I I I do actually believe we we all have exactly 
we can tap into exactly what we need for the lessons we're here learning this lifetime. I do believe we can do that, you know, and okay. So we can go down some other karmic paths too, but, um, well, you know, I, I'm starting to realize that we could go on for another hour or two here, <laughs> but I think what, what I'm getting to here is like, Hey, we, in order to live a wonderful life, we need to have balanced relationships. We need to have a balanced bank account. We need to have balance with our, in our, with our relationship with the world. So when we can move back into a, uh, balance and harmony. I, I do all these books on the Holy Grail. You know, when we find the Holy Grail, we've brought all of our pieces together where we understand the, the wisdom that lives in our hearts. So we're all, each one of us, a part of the divine, an important part of the divine. We all matter. Um, at that point, there's a moment, there's just this moment when an awakening can happen, when a, fr- a, a little taste of freedom can happen. And I think the more and more of us that are going, we don't have to live in fear. I mean, even if the banks account, bank accounts disappear, we don't have to live in fear because we're creative beings. We'll just create a new. Well, you know, maybe the whole thing will crash and we'll it will create a, an entirely new structure that actually works better for the globe. You know, who yeah. knows? So if we if we're really in touch with that that loving light, that goodness, which is our true nature, I think we'll navigate this really well. And I think. It's also good to do it together, you know, to have groups, to have people that you trust, not someone that's just appearing off WhatsApp, like you said, but but someone that you've known for a long time, like like you, I can call you and go, hmm, you know, we can go into detail, right? Yes. Right. To have this friend that you can really delve in with and and reflect things, you know, sort of back and forth and go, yeah, okay, now I just, I just arrived at my truth. This is my truth. And I'm going to walk forward from here. So I really encourage everybody out there to to find a buddy, at least one, someone you really trust and and start to inquire with them into this financial freedom mindset and um, see what happens. So what would you like to add? I think we've got to wrap it up today. (laughs) Normally our conversations, we know whenever we chat on the phone, the ongoing joke is that we can't talk less than two hours. I know, that's true. So <laughs> we're not gonna do that now. So uh, but yeah, I mean I I do I think if someone doesn't have like we've known each other now so, what, twenty years, I think five, twenty-five years or something like that. <laughs> right. I think it's close to that. Um, yes, I think so. Uh, that just maybe to set that intention of that. I want to be able to find someone that I could get to know. And because if you are sharing things that are very personal around finances, you you want to be careful. And maybe it's just little by little. You don't need to talk about dollar amounts because that's not necessarily relevant. It might be, well, going back full circle to the financial freedom mindset to, well, what is it in my thinking? or And like what, Anne, like what you were just saying, that as you get to reason something out and that person can hold space for you, really, you, you already know the answers. That's your intuition, your higher self. And then you get to hold the space for that person just for them to validate what they already know. And, and that's wonderful because you get to be of service to each other and be empowered and, and go from strength to strength. 
That's really beautiful. And I think it's very true. So, so this is it. So it seems like financial freedom mindset has a lot to do with, with staying attuned to our truth and our intuition and walking, walking together in the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if people want to work with you, where do they go? Thank you, Anne. They will go to joannagarzilli.com, G-A-R-Z-I-L-L-I. Otherwise, reach out to me. My my social handle is at Joanna Garzilli across all platforms. I love it. Okay. So let's let's wrap it up for today and maybe we'll carry on uh, as this uh, financial um, awakening goes on in the planet. <laughs> I would love that. That would be great. That would be great. Okay. So you've been listening to Anne Kate Sullivan has the wisdom of the ages and you can find out more about my unfolding path on AnnKateSullivan.com. And so until we meet again, may wisdom reveal its secrets to you one message at a time and stay financially free. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.